All right, but before we start, I've got to think of a rating scale for this one <laughs> before I start saying it, I forget. Oh, yeah. Well, it's got to be something about Dane since he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> How about since he was wrong about uh, Mr. Freeze, we could do, like, things that Dane is wrong about Mr. Freeze or things that Dane's wrong about in the New 52. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, so... Uh... I hate you! Another Bad Fans Podcast. It's episode number 29. Right, Tim? You got it. I didn't interrupt you, and I didn't have to help you. So. <laughs> We're off to a good start so far. Ah, oh, Tim. <laughs> you just interrupted me again. Spoke too soon. Will you stop interrupting me when I try to introduce myself? I will keep my mouth shut until you say my name. <laughs> okay. My name is Dane, and... Today, I have with me, Tim. Tim, what is today? Today is one of the best days of the year. Saturday, <laughs> May 4th. In other words, Star Wars Day. So, to all the listeners, Dane and Terrence, may the force be with you. So, so it, it, is the proper way to say it, may the force be with you, or may the force be with you on May 4th? You have to say may the force when it's May 4th. That's the problem. Yeah, that's what I thought. Even though those listening so, to it are, it's been a week probably since <laughs> May the 4th, but it oh, lives on oh, yeah, every day. Right. <laughs> Why are we even saying this? This is going to come out to Friday. <laughs> to Friday. So <laughs> why, are we, why are we talking about this? But, um, Tim, how, how have you been? I have been good. The summer Just movie good. season has finally started the start this week, so... For just about a month and a few weeks left to wait till Man of Steel, I can't wait for that. The countdown has started. And are you going to see Iron Man three? I will be seeing Iron Man three probably after we're done recording this episode. But a week, uh, a week before this episode comes out. Yeah. So okay. I've already seen it. Sorry, I can't give you my review right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we we also have Terrence with us. Terrence, how's it going, man? It's, it's good to have you back on a Bad Fans podcast, the least listened to Batman podcast on the Batman universe. <laughs> yes, or in general. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, it was frustrating last week listening to you guys and not being able to like chime in because. Um, Tim was like dead wrong on something, and I, I had to correct him, and I couldn't do it. So, uh, yeah, but I, I have uh, since it is Star Wars, and I know Dane usually asks Tim the hard Star Wars questions, but I, I had a, two questions for Tim. But I don't want to step on your toes. So, did you have a question for Tim, or should I go ahead with mine? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Tim, you got to pick one. Oh no, the the, the, the Bane Batman fight in Dark Knight Rises, or the Anakin Obi Wan fight. Can I choose another fight that beats all that beats both of those? 
<laughs> or does it have to be yeah, those two? Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Darth Maul versus Obi Wan Qui Gon fight. To me, that's the best. Definitely the best lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars, and maybe just one of the best fight sequences ever. I think, especially the last sequence with Obi Wan and Darth Maul. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. So the Obi Wan fight. I mean, I mean the Obi Wan Darth Maul Qui Gon fight, or the the Joker Batman fight. Uh, Obi Wan Darth Maul Qui Gon. <laughs> 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 the Joker of Batman fight wasn't really the best, like, physical uh, punch-out fight, I guess, where they're really going at it with each other like he did with Bane. So that was so, so pretty much what you're, pretty much what you're saying is you're not a Batman fan. No, I'm, not, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why I've been on yeah. this podcast for 29 episodes and I'm not really a fan. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, we still love you, Tim. Oh, well, uh, but... <laughs> But Terrence, what was your question? Well, my first question for Tim is, are you recording? I am recording. Thanks for recording. All right. <laughs> Dan usually asks you before we start, and he didn't this time, so I just want to make sure. Uh, and then my second question would, would be, who shot first? Okay, well. In your, in, let me really, in your opinion, this is going to affect how I think about you, said, just so you know, who shot first? Han Solo. Okay. Yeah. But interesting. Yes. I know that's following there's a lot of special edition changes that people complain about. And to me that's really the only special edition change I would prefer to have the old way where Han shoots first. It just ah. editing wise too, it looks so much better too. You can just tell how they edit this doesn't look good the way they edit it where they have Greedo shoot first real quick. So yeah, Han still shoots first. Did did Lucas ever give an explanation of why he changed it? Has that ever come out? Or? Yeah, he just kind of he didn't want to make Han look like a cold-blooded killer in that situation, and he says you can't really redeem a hero who, who does that. So I was like, <laughs> but that's who he is at that point of his life. <laughs> so, well, I have I have to say I agree with you one hundred percent. So uh, yeah. Han shot first. It's yeah. funny though that uh, when filming the prequels, Lucas actually had a T-shirt that said. Uh, Hot shot first. <laughs> He's actually wearing yeah, that. Yeah, in the movie uh, The People versus George Lucas, they show they show him in that shirt. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now here's what you were wrong about last week because I thought it was a little. Uh, Dane started the podcast off with wa- wanting to get away with murder, which of course, because <laughs> I wasn't on it, I started to get suspicious about. Oh, and it was time travel, so I'm like, oh, does he want to travel in time before he asks me on the podcast and get rid of me? Uh, <laughs> so um, I'll start. All right. So last week, uh, Tim, you said that if you went back in time, committed a murder, and then went back, you would get caught. That they'd uh, arrest you for it, but I disagree. I think if you went back in time and committed a murder, you'd get away with it because your self back in time has an alibi. So, like, let's say you know, 2025 Dean goes back in time right now and bumps off whoever it was he wanted to kill. Uh, you know, when the police come and get him, he's like, "Well, no, I was doing the Bat Fans podcast at that time and that date." And even my friend Tim's got it recorded. So, uh, I think because you have the alibi, you would get away with it. But um, ah. until, until somebody invents a time machine and gives it a try, I guess we're all safe, except for Bruce Willis and <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Good point there. See, you have a villain's mind. Darren. Yeah, you know yeah. how to execute the perfect crime and not get caught. Not only that, <laughs> you, could, you could go back and you could plant evidence and, and you know, um, do it just right. But There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we got to so be careful. I was right then, right? Yes, 
Yeah, I mean, if you went back in time, you killed somebody, you flash back to the current day, your previous self would be caught, right? No, it wouldn't be, because uh, your previous self was, like Terrence said, has an alibi where he's doing something, and he couldn't possibly be convicted with that. Oh, I see. So so time branched off, right? Well, I was just saying, like, the evidence would point to you, but when the police came to get you, you would have an alibi. You would have, you know, and, oh. and plus, since you didn't even know that it happened, you would pass a lie detector test because you'd be like, I didn't murder them. You wouldn't even know. Chances are you might not even know that person yet. So you would get away. Oh, I see. That does make perfect sense. <laughs> You've got to be careful not to cross you, Terrence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, trust me, if, if I ever had a time machine, I would not use it for murder. There's a lot of fun stuff I would do, but, you know, <laughs> whoever crossed me would be forgiven, and I'd go bet on all the Super Bowls that ever happened, so. Go, I'll go to the future and get the sports almanac look. Yeah. <laughs> go to a Jimi Hendrix concert, yeah. Of course, the year I go back to, 1977. Or I, I would go back to 1939, find Bob Kane, and just say, you know, Bruce isn't really a great name for a character. How about Terrence? Yeah. <laughs> and then if Batman Beyond, uh, Terry would be named Bruce. It would be the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or heck, just go back in time and buy the first or appearance of Batman, and a detective, and action comics for Superman, and then you'll be set. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if that's the case, can you can you take something from, like, 1939 and bring it back to the future? I mean, yeah, bring it back to the future? I want to see why not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can uh, get into our future topic. And uh, Tim, why don't you specifically go back in time, grab us a topic, come back to the future, and give us a topic? Okay, I'll be right back. Let me just get my time machine, and I'll be back in a flash. <laughs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> I was gone for a while, but thanks to time travel, it just sent like an instant to everybody. First, first let me ask, how, how was uh, episode 7, 8, and 9? Uh, amazing. If only I could tell you guys what happened to those. <laughs> but I don't want to disrupt the whole time-space continu- continuum and ruin everything, so I'll keep it to myself and just let everyone be amazed well, when they come out. Well, I mean, before you get to your future topic, I had an interesting thought about episode seven. Okay, let's do it. You know how Return of the Jedi ends on a happy note? Everybody's partying. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's all happy. Ewoks are playing drums on the yeah. heads, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking that episode seven should start off where, you know, the the New Republic is set up, but there's massive problems. Um, Luke is having problems finding other Force users, and um, you know, in, in general, the Republic is 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 fighting constantly. They can't get along. You know, Leia's reestablished the Senate. The Senate just can't pass any bills or or, or legislation or anything like that. And the galaxy is in chaos, essentially. It's it's hanging on by threads. Okay. What do you think? Tim? I mean, that might be one of the plots they go with. I mean, there's got to be some type of that situation or conflict that they have to deal with. But for me, I kind of hope from Return of the Jedi to Episode Seven that there was a time for peace yeah. for the galaxy, just so it doesn't seem like they're always fighting and fighting. They never get a time to enjoy themselves in the galaxy. And I think yeah. if there is a peaceful time throughout that time period, it would make the yeah. whatever threat is in the new movies more, uh, I guess, more threatening in a way where 
they weren't expecting it or it just comes out the big surprise or it's not, oh, it's another threat we have to take care of, let's take care of it. But if there was a time for peace, yeah. it would be something that's kind of shocking. So. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, I, mean, I was thinking about it and I was like, it would be great if they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not peaceful. It's terrible. I mean, I'm not terrible in the sense that it's like the Empire, but more like they're trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. But they just can't because of constant infighting in the Senate, corruption, you know, Luke can't get the new Jedi Order off the ground. And, um, you know, in the end, there's conflict. I, but, could, um, I could definitely see some of that making its way into it, or something's not working where it should be, whether it's the New Republic or Luke's new Jedi Order. Yeah. But, but like um, I said, I already know since I just got back from the future, and but <laughs> I can't say anything. Well, you know, I assume so, since they're using Carrie Fisher and uh, Mark Hamill, and they've aged 30 years, I thought maybe the the story would take place like 30 years from Return of the Jedi, just because of the age of the actors. But oh, yeah. They, you know, I, but who knows? I so they could have been that time of peace, and then here comes the new Dark Side Rising. Yeah, I definitely think that's how it's going to be. 30 or 40 years from the future. Because like you said, it has to be with their age. Yeah, so, so maybe they had a period of peace, and then the, the Republic kind of fell apart a little bit. But, um, Tim, you, you already know this, and um, can you confirm that Justin Bieber is in the new Star Wars film? <laughs> <laughs> I can thankfully confirm that Justin Bieber is nowhere near the movie. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. That's the one um, secret I'll give out. <laughs> but for this featured topic, what did you want to talk about, Tim? Yeah, so uh, starting this month in May, all the new 52 issues are hitting number 20. And I kind of figured that'd be a good number to start kind of looking back on the Batman books as far as how we think they've been doing the past 20 issues, what we like, what we didn't like, kind of <laughs> what could be done better, or stuff just that our general thoughts on the whole Batman comic books and the new 52 overall. So, uh, yeah. Terrence, how do you think the Bat books are doing overall so far in the new 52? You know, overall, I feel like it's been real hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You know, some storylines and some some books have done better than others. But I feel overall they're very disjointed. I feel like each book is doing its own thing and telling its own Batman. And it doesn't have that, like, one person or, or one force unifying it. And I'm not necessarily certainly saying they have to do every issue or crossover and, and do like a No Man's Land 80-issue epic, but I, I really do feel like each book is a different Batman, and um, there's things going on in some books, like The Dark Knight has that whole uh, Natalia love affair going on, which isn't even mentioned in any other book, really, and then Detectives got the whole Emperor Penguin, Emperor Blackgate, whatever he wants to call himself, storyline, which doesn't fold over, and then the whole sort of um, Batman Incorporated kind of ties in, that that one ties in a little bit more with Batman and Robin, but even those two feel separate, and then now the Batman has always felt like it's doing its own thing, and now it's um, going to take place in, in year zero, which will really be different, and now the new titles, you know, Batman Superman will be set in the past, which will really be its own thing. So, um, you know, overall quality stories and art have been decent. Some are better than others, but I really feel like there's no cohesive unit to the whole thing. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, when it first started out, I think it was great that most of the books kind of were their own, their own self-contained stories, and maybe they throw in a little references here and there, but, like, 
Snyder's Court of Owls, the detective with the whole, uh, what was his name, Dollmaker, I believe? Yeah. And then uh, Batman and Robin with uh, the Nobody. They kind of had their own separate stories, but they didn't contradict each other in a way where something didn't make sense. They're all, their own self-contained stories, but you kind of knew they were still part of the same universe where they're just happening at different time periods. And I kind of like that where instead of all the books kind of tying in together, they were all separate, but they just didn't contradict each other, which I thought was kind of refreshing in a way. We didn't have to worry about, oh, I have to read this book to understand this book. But just focus on one Batman title. If that's all you wanted to read, that was fine because you wouldn't really be needing to read anything else. But now as the more issues got on and then we got like Batman Incorporated and then got a few more crossovers with Night of the Owls and Death of the Family, I did kind of think where stuff was becoming a little too big where there's maybe too many Batman books going on right now. And like you said, not all of them are great. And the thing that's kind of my biggest thing is just the whole continuity stuff with Batman Incorporated and the other Bat books. To me, I really think Batman Incorporated would have been better off if they just said that one was stuck pre-New 52. Because they did that with that uh, Leviathan Strikes uh, giant size issue. Where that yeah. was, you knew that took place before the New 52. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it was a kind of a, maybe just a way to like Grant Morrison finish his story. But then when Batman Incorporated became a monthly title and they made it part of the New 52, I thought it hurt not only Batman Incorporated, but just the all the other Batman books overall, just feeling the need to tie into it, of course, with Damien's death and everything. And, yeah, that just kind of, for me anyway, just hurts it a bit, because why at the same time the New 52 is trying to be different and set itself apart from the old continuity, but yet Batman Incorporated started in the old continuity and is still continuing, so it still has that link there. This Too many stuff gets confused as far as certain things that happen. you got Damien's age is a thing of question where Batman's only been around five years. He's gone through all these different or four Robins in the span of five years. And we got the Tim Drake thing of not being really a Robin and the whole Robin internship thing. Those are things I definitely think are working for the overall Batman mythos in the new 52. So kind of like you said, Terrence, I think overall I would say it's been pretty good, but it hasn't been great. And if anything, I think maybe there's maybe one or two many Batman books on the shelves right now. And just certain, some of the story choices they went with, I'm not, haven't been too happy about mainly with the whole Robin stuff. So that's my take, my overall impressions of Batman and the New 52 right now. How about you, Dane? Well, we can talk about continuity for, for days and days and days and how screwed up it is right now. Um, but when you sent over this question, before that, I, I, I was kind of like, um, you, you know, I think the bat, the bat books are, are, are going really good. But then after you sent that, you know, my my complaint isn't so much about continuity and story. I mean, yeah, it's about story, but it's about the quality of writers Mm. on the books. I mean, why did we have – I mean, I don't know how DC works, but but why did we have to have Tony Dagger for 12 or 13 issues Mm. on Detective Comics? And and why after, you know, a couple of issues was John Lehman still – still on Detective Comics, and why is Anna Senti even on Catwoman, a book that I don't even read? I had to drop. Because I think we all did. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with Red Hood and the Outlaws. I mean, where was the direction in that book, or what was the direction of that book to introduce Red Hood and the Outlaws? I mean, if that's the case, then you should have just called it Outlaws, obviously. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that, because it's... It, it almost has nothing to do with Jason anymore. I mean, I haven't read it in a long time, but 
Yeah, for that, I really I, think for Jason, as far as his story, I think they really it's a good opportunity. What was going on with him pre New Fifty Two with him as Scarlet? I think they were they were kind of a good counterpoint to Batman and Robin, like his own form of justice. He had his own sidekick in a way, but that was totally abandoned for the Outlaws. But I think they should have kind of kept with that story point going forward in the New Fifty Two. Would have been for me anyway. I think would have been a better fit in the Batman universe in the New 52. But I'm sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, and you're right. And, um, you know, I mean, it's not all bad because, I mean, now that we're two years, is it? It's going to be. 52? Yeah, it's going to be this year, right? Yep. Um, now that we're, t- we're we're in two years into the New 52, it's it's not all bad because, you know, you, t- you look at something like The Dark Knight that started off terribly that it had a bunch <laughs> of terrible issues. I mean, it... it it was consistently bad on yeah. a monthly basis. And, you know, I, I feel that we can say, you know, with Greg Hurwitz's two um, Dark Knight storylines, that the book has redeemed itself. So the direction of the, the, the Batman universe and the New 52 and all that stuff is good and bad for me. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's been great stuff to come out of it. I mean, look at what Scott Snyder has done with Court of Owls and Death of the Family. And I'm definitely looking forward to Year Zero, where I think hopefully he puts a new spin on Batman's origin, where if they... I mean, here's the thing. If they want to go completely new, hopefully they'll get it to themselves where let's not stick to the old pre-New 52 continuity and just forget all that and just go all in and do something new, but not... Kind of do something new here, but yet try to keep things here that's going to contradict some of the new stuff. Just go all in or don't go all in. That's my take on these new stories coming up for year zero. I'm expecting it to be really cool because I know Skyder, Snyder, I can't even say his name. Scott Snyder's Skyder. Skyder. <laughs> Scott Snyder's track record has been great so far with his Batman run. So I have all the confidence in the world he's going to deliver us a good story. But um, do you guys think there's too many Batman books on the shelves right now, as far as this main Batman stories, when you got Batman, Detective, Dark Knight, Batman and Robin, and then now Batman Incorporated. So that's five right there. Do you think that's too many? Uh, yes, I do. Just because they're telling five different stories. Mm-hmm. If it was, you know, um, I mean, they're, they, they're the top of the sales charts, and especially for DC itself, they're the top. So they're selling and people are buying them. So as far as the man goes, I don't think it's too many. But I just think for a fan who's buying all of them, it's kind of too many stories going all at once. And uh, a lot of people always complain whenever they have the crossovers. But those are what you remember, you know. You know, 20 years later, we remember Nightfall, remember No Man's Land, we remember War Games. Um, and I just feel like when you introduce a, a, a big plot line or a big story element, like and now what's going on in Dark Knight with Natalia and Bruce falling in love and she knows he's Batman and she hangs out in the Batcave with him. Like, how can that not be mentioned in any other book? And then, you know, in, in Batman Incorporated, you know, Damien dies. And if you read Detective this month and if you read um, The Dark Knight this month, you wouldn't even know he had a son who died. It's just not even mentioned. Um, so as far as books going, probably not because sales wise, it, it can support that. But as far as storylines going, I think it's too many storylines all going at one time. Yeah, for me personally, I kind of wish the main Batman books would be go down to three, where you have Batman, the main title, of course, Detective, and probably Batman and Robin. But if he doesn't have a Robin, maybe just Batman the Dark Knight. But I think how it should be is where you got the big massive story, like a big main storyline that Snyder does with Death of the Family, now with Year Zero coming up. That's the main story focus of Batman and his main title. 
then with detectives, I was kind of hoping maybe that would be something more akin to what Dark Knight is right now, where you're having these new stories with these classic Batman villains like Scarecrow and Mad Hatter. Just so you kind of have like that classic Batman feel where you see new adventures with him fighting villains that you love to see from the past. And then maybe his third book with Batman and Robin, where if you ever get to do Robin, where it just mainly focuses on them two and the crimes and uh, stuff that they have to do together as a team, more of a team book. And, of course, you have the other ones like Nightwing, uh, Catwoman, if that ever gets good, Red Hood. But as far as main Batman titles, I think three would be an ideal number for me personally. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, going too short on that. Maybe there are some who, like, more Batman stories, the better if they're good. But for me, ideally, I think having three stories that focuses on those three different story points would be pretty cool. Yeah, and if you also include that they come out with Legends of the Dark Knight, are they going to come out with the Batman 1966? They've got the Little Gotham for kids. Um, and Batman Beyond, there's a lot of Batman stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Batman Beyond's been my second favorite after Snyder's Batman. I just love the stories they're telling in there, just because mainly it's in the DC animated universe, which, of course, for me, is the greatest universe in which Batman is in. <laughs> yeah. so I, the more stories in that world, the better. But, um, like, going back to the whole thing where if there's too many Batman books, besides uh, Batman... Snyder's Batman, the main title. What, what would you guys say has been the second best title in the new 52 after that? It's kind of, Ooh. I know it might be kind of hard because some have been good for a while, some have been bad, but then they've got good, or they've been good and then they've gotten bad. Yeah, you go first, Dane. I can't. I got to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go back to your previous question, Tim. Um, nowadays, I kind of see, you know, all five of the main Batman titles as their own universe, not as, you know, one continuity. I mean, I know that it's all one thing, but um, I almost feel like, you know, Dark Knight is its own universe, and then you have uh, Snyder's Batman that's its own universe, and and stuff like that. But um, as for the second best main Batman book, you said, Mm -hmm. uh, only Dark Knight. Yeah, I think looking back on it, to me, there's either Dark Knight or Batman and Robin. But Batman and Robin was hit and miss for a few issues. There was like, I had a stretch right. where there were some good ones, but then there'd be one that wasn't that good, but then go on another stretch. But with Dark Knight, in the beginning, it had a consistency of being bad. But then when Greg <laughs> Hurwitz came on, to me, it had a consistency of being good. So I think overall, that might be my choice as well. Just because, too, and also, he's doing some, which I think great stuff was, characters that I love, like Scarecrow, and then now with the Mad Hatter, so he gets points for that with me, so I agree, Dark Knight would probably be my second favorite, which I never thought I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably have to agree. I'd have to maybe say if the best book that is in Batman, that book Batman's in, but it's not one of his main titles, probably for me would be Injustice, Gods Among Us. I've really enjoyed that. Now, that, that that's, hasn't had a full... 20 issues, but that comes out every week, but they're shorter. But um, Batman's been, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman have been the main focus of that book. And uh, that's, that's been really good. That's been, and it's a really good Batman. Um, And I, you know, he's going to survive because he's in the game and this is takes place before the game comes out. But just the fact that it is its own universe kind of gives it a anything can go kind of element, which I think the other books lack a bit. Um, so, um, I don't know if Injustice counts, but I'll, I'll go with that one. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you on injustice, but I'm sorry, Terrence, I cannot accept that answer because it's not part uh-huh. of the New 52. I need right. a New 52 bad book. <laughs> then I'll have to go with The Dark Knight then. All right, we're all in agreement. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Injustice has been great. The last, not this last issue, but I think the last two were they're in Arkham and uh, Superman's trying to take out all the villains there and the Batman stands up to him. <laughs> there is yeah. a cool sequence in, the, in that story part right there, especially when he does the cyborg. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But um, so we kind of had our favorite Batman book, and now <laughs> I think we might be all in agreement with this one too. Our least favorite, which one that we thought has been the absolute worst Batman title in the new 52. So starting with you again, Dane, I think I already know the answer. Catwoman. <laughs> uh, followed closely by, and it's a two-way touch section, Red Hood and Batgirl. Really? You put Batgirl in there? Yeah, because, I mean, I was just flipping through some old old, old issues, uh, or, or the first, what, 19 of them? Uh-huh. And uh, in retrospect, I feel that, you know, I mean, I hate to compare it, but comparing it to, I don't know, The Dark Knight, um, the Greg Hurwitz run, comparing that to Batgirl, it's it's just no match. I mean, it's, I, I just have no words for it. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's like having a gun and <laughs> not being able to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. I know you haven't been the biggest fan of Batgirl since it started, but oh, yeah. I'm still kind of surprised you haven't been kind of on the bottom of the worst. But for me... I would have to say uh, Detective, just mainly because it never, ever found its footing. You had maybe two or three issues that were really good between uh, Tony Daniel and Layman. But being on Detective, which is DC's oldest book, <laughs> along with action, I think that's somewhere you would want to have stories that are almost on par with what Scott Snyder's doing, just because it's such a iconic title, Detective Comics. And just the stories in there from Dollmaker, then you have that short story arc with Penguin and the Iceberg Lounge, and then you got the Emperor Penguin stuff. It just... Never uh. really gotten good. I think my favorite issue of Detective has been the Zero one, where uh, they show a little bit of Batman's training, which that's probably definitely the best issue. <laughs> I don't know if it counts it's a Zero issue, but that one was definitely the highlight of that title for me anyway so far. So I'm really hoping that one picks up sooner or later, because 20 issues in, it really hasn't had a strong run. Yeah, and I can definitely agree with you. I, I haven't liked Detective since issue number one two years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> I didn't think it started off great at all. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you when you say uh, Detective Comics. <laughs> How about you, Terrence? Yeah, I got to go Catwoman. That was a disappointment right from the start. That very first issue was just sleazy, and it just it, it went up and down here and there, and then just when Anna said he took over, it was unreadable. Um, and considering that it came out the summer when Catwoman was in a movie that made a billion dollars worldwide and that they could have really captured an audience and especially an audience of younger kids and, and possibly a female audience to have that book and have, you know, those final pages with them having sex and everything was just inappropriate. And, and just I think they lost a, a huge opportunity there. And then it's just become unreadable. Yeah, no argument there. <laughs> Yeah, instead of being like the Anne Hathaway Catwoman, it was more like the Halle Berry one. Yeah, or more like the Jenna Jameson one. Yeah, and then uh, it was just you know I just thought of how many girls like maybe like a fourteen or fifteen year old girl was like oh yeah Catwoman Catwoman number one let's pick this up and then it was like they'll never read a comic again um, or never be allowed to anyway. Um, so Catwoman Detective's been weak at best, and uh, what's really disappointing me now is is Batwing. Uh, you know, I kind of liked some of Batwing, but sometimes it was, it was, had a lot of weak issues. 
And now the whole thing with David, he's just like, he's gone. Now he's with Stephanie Brown and Wally West and Donna Troy. <laughs> and it, it, they just completely dropped him. And um, maybe Luke Cage would be good. But if you look at the sales of that book, they're so low that I can't imagine DC sticking with him very long. And um, so I don't know. And I just, I have this bad feeling that somebody's going to make David a villain. Like five years from now, he'll come back and, and be a villain or something. So considering where Batwing is now with, with the whole David and, and being invested in, in him for a year and a half and spending probably 45 or $50 on comics on him, that now he's just kind of gone. And that's pretty disappointing. Yeah. I hope you're wrong where they don't bring it back as a villain. Cause to me, that would ruin the story. I hope I'm wrong too. I just, I think sometimes weak writers tend to do that. Like, Oh, who's someone we haven't seen in a while. All right, we'll bring him back and make him the villain and he'll be bitter at Bruce Wayne or something, you know, kind of like they did that in hush. Um, they had Harold come back and then like, they that's had right. Yeah. Almost as the villain. Then he gets shot in the head on the bridge and it's like, I like Harold. He was a good character. Why did you do this to him? You know, I just, sometimes I think, writers you know take the easy way out sometimes with that so but who knows hopefully i'm wrong yeah and you guys kind of mentioned this already but not the main bat books but the i guess the batman family books like batman or batgirl nightwing red hood batwing and the catwoman i think to me anyway those ones have been kind of split in the middle as far as really good ones and ones that have been bad I think, of course, you got, for me anyway, Nightwing has been awesome for the most part out of its whole New 52 run. I've enjoyed Batgirl. I know there's been a lot of criticism for it, and there's some of them I agree with, but to me, I don't think it's been horrible or a disaster. There's been certain story arcs and issues that I thought were really good. And then Batwing, and going back to your saying, Terrence, I, it started off great. That first story arc was really good. Then it got, it kind of got into like more of a team-up book where every issue Batwing was with some other hero in the DC universe, which kind of took away from his character arc. But then it got back on track, but then only for him to be taken out of the book and have a new Batwing introduced. But overall, I think those three books have been, for me anyway, the best as far as the Batman family tie-ins, the best of them being Nightwing. But um, you guys kind of alluded to already with stuff that hasn't been really working in the Batman family books, like Red Hood and Catwoman. But out of all of them, which one would you say has been the most consistent out of those uh, Bat Family Universe books? Batwoman. <laughs> That's coming no surprise for you, Dane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you even have to ask? <laughs> no, that's true. I didn't. I didn't mention it because I knew you were just going to say it anyway. I was didn't mention yeah. to you to maybe see if something else would jump out of your mouth instead of Batwoman, but uh, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it's funny because when you say Batwoman, I don't even think of her in the Batman books because she's so independent and so on her own, and her stories stand on their own. They're they're not people aren't buying because they're a, a tie-in or that says Requiem Court of Owls or it's got some kind of you know mask cover. They're buying them because it's good. So, but yeah, definitely Batwoman's been consistent, and Nightwing. I've really enjoyed Nightwing, and that's been, you know, not every issue's blown me away, and just been like, oh my god, five out of five. Nothing's been bad. Nothing's been disappointing. You know, Uh, it's been consistent and at least good or above average every issue. And then there have been the issues that have been awesome and and five out of five. So yeah, Nightwing has definitely been a consistent book. Yeah, I guess I can't really throw this, but it's kind of disappointing too. Another thing about the new 52 is that I wish Red Robin or Tim would kind of have his own book again or just be more involved with the Batman family than he has been. He's stuck yeah. in the Teen Titans, which I dropped out a while ago. I mean, it really didn't get off to a good start. And just they just kind of put a bad like a stain on the character when they redid his old origin with not ever having to be a Robin. I think that really put a lot of fans off. 
and then just when he is appearing in the Batman books, he really doesn't do that much or add that much to it. It kind of seems like, oh, he's just there. And which is a shame because Tim was such a great character in pre-New 52 universe. Uh, this to me is kind of disappointing that he's kind of being treated this way, not having him a Robin and just not giving him that much to do overall in the Batman family. Yeah, I agree. And his own book right before the, the New 52 Red Robin was a pretty good book. And his, his, his Robin book went to, I think, almost 200 issues or somewhere around there. And, you know, and um, so he's really probably story-wise or issue-wise, he's probably was a Robin longer than anybody else. Now, Dick Grayson was Robin longer, you know, as far as uh, time-wise and, and stories with Batman. But solo Robin stories, Tim probably has the most. Um, you know, Dick Grayson never had a Robin book. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of sad what happened to him, especially since he was like our Robin because he was kind of the Robin when we all started reading comics yeah. and who we kind of identified with more. Um, I, I, I never read a, a Dick Grayson Robin book, you know, um, in time, they were always, you know, older back issues. He was always Nightwing when I was reading comics. So, um, yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> but um, I guess kind of to wrap the discussion up, is there anything in particular that you guys would want to see done differently with the current Batman books going on in the New 52, certain changes that you'd like to see be made? Not necessarily a particular issue, but just overall, like, I guess editorial-wise, something differently you think they should be doing to make the whole – Batman universe better in the new 52. What do you think, Terrence? So um, Batman will be, you know, set in the past with zero year for uh, they'll be doing a, a year of issues on that. And then the other three books are kind of all over the place. So it'd be nice if they could have maybe one head writer or one creative force that kind of oversaw all the books and had them all kind of going in one direction. And, you know, not necessarily you have to buy every book to know what's going on or necessarily have to uh, have crossovers, but just that there's some that there's a lot more unity and, and connection. And if a, a important characters introduced in one book, then they'll be seen in the other books. Um, I feel like DC in general is completely just lost their way. If you look at the sales figures, they've not been doing well recently. Um, the, the writer for Green Lantern just quit after like two issues because they wanted him to kill Jon Stewart. You know, the writer for Action Comics just quit, you know, because of editorial interference. Their um, free comic book was a joke. They uh, For free comic book day, it's the uh, Superman issue from like six years ago written by uh, Jeff Johns. And, and um, it's like, why would you put a book that is not in continuity anymore, uh, has nothing to do with what's going on in the new 52, has ba Superman in his red underwear, Mom, Pa Ken is still alive and introduces a kid from Krypton who is now completely written out and uh, to free comic book day when you're trying to get people to buy the comic. It just just seemed just like, I don't know, completely asinine. Yeah, so, it's lazy. Yeah, yeah, I understand Superman because the movie's coming out. But, you know, if somebody was does not read Superman and pick this up, how does this make them want to read next month's Superman or Action Comics at all? You know, it makes them want to go get the trade paperback. Yeah. And it, even then, they might say, oh, well, this doesn't exist anymore. This is not real. Oh, well, forget it. So um, I think DC Comics has kind of lost their way, and they're, they're too concerned on getting movies made and TV shows and need to get back to the comics. Yeah, well, they can't even do the movies right. So they only got <laughs> can't get those off the ground. You would think they'd have the comics now, but yeah, I agree with you. 
But how about you, Dane? Anything particular you'd like to see done differently going forward? You know, I, I don't care whether they take the stories. I'll read them regardless. Um, I mean, unless they do something really, 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 really stupid. But I wish that it was more like all the writers were more like Scott Snyder. In, in a sense that I wish there was there was more depth to the story. I mean, the, if you look at a book like, I don't know, Nightwing or Bad Girl or Bad Wing, it seems flashy in a sense where it's more like a, a brainless action movie rather than, you know, a serious drama. And I think you need to balance those two to make a great comic book. And I feel that, hell, most of the books don't even have that. And I wish there was just more depth behind the stories and the characters and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's kind of nice, too, when you have uh, certain books that maybe it's just a flashy, like, action book where... The story may not be the greatest, but it is sometimes just fun to read books like that. It has its place, but yeah, I agree with you. We need more Snyders out there on these books. Yeah, because, I mean, if it's just, I mean, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, that that stuff is great once in a while, but, I mean, if it's on a consistent basis where it's just, you know, this slam-bang action sequence that fills 32 pages or, or whatever, you know, you tend... Well, well, for me anyway, I, I tend to not care about the story, not care about the characters, and just reading it just to get through it, just to say that I've read, you know, whatever, whatever, number 19 or number 20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess I'm, I'm someone, I'm trying to, I'm getting better at this, but I'm someone who's a big continuity guy where stuff doesn't make sense. It really bothers me, but so much stuff has been contradicting itself with the new 52 continuity where it's kind of out of that attitude where, Okay, I just have to kind of have my own continuity, what I view as to be the backstory for certain characters. But I just really wish they'd do a better job of deciding what they want the continuity to be brand new or still have lingerings from the past uh, universe before the new 52. Like I said earlier, the whole thing with the Robins never set well with me, and then stuff with uh, Damien's age. But And then they're changing things, too, in the middle of the new 52. The whole thing, like we said with Tim Drake, we saw that picture of him in... Linkedin Titans number one, where I believe they referred to him as Robin. He was wearing his old Robin costume, but now they changed that, saying, oh, no, he wasn't. I just want them to be consistent with whatever continuity they want to have. I may not have to like it, but at least have it where it's consistent, where if they're starting fresh, they're starting fresh, and there's no lingering effects that may contradict each other. So that's kind of my big thing, less contradictions going forward than the new Batman books in the future. I mean, I think once Batman Incorporated ends, that it might get better with that, because I think that really threw a wrench as far as the whole uh, continuity, as far as where things taking place in certain aspects of these stories. So I think once that wraps up, it'll probably be better. But, um, yeah, that's something I'd like to see done better going forward. Just have a better job controlling the continuity. So I guess I'll ask you guys this last question. Uh, I'll start with you, Dane. In your mind, has the new 52 been a success, story-wise? Partially. <laughs> Partially. <laughs> um, you know, for for every good thing that's happened in the new 52, and there's been a lot of um, good in the new 52, there's always that lingering question about why, why did they do this? What was the point behind this? And, you know, when you get into that sort of thought, then you start noticing the flaws, and you start you start noticing, you know, that there's no groundwork for continuity, and there's Catwoman is terrible, and do we really need a Batwing book and stuff like that? And do we need five uh, main Batman books? But yeah, overall for me, it's it has been a, a success, definitely. Right, cool. How about you, Terrence? Uh, kind of mixed. Sales wise, it's been a huge success. Yeah. Um, Especially in the beginning, although they're starting to level out now. 
after two years. Um, it's hard, it's hard for me to look at any of the really good stories like Court of Owls or Death of the Family and, and, and realize or say that it had to be in the new 52 that you couldn't have done this the old way. I think all the really good stuff they've done, they could have just done that, you know, even if there was no reboot, even if there was no 52, if, you know, if it was, you know, Batman 758 or whatever. So um, they've been successful, but I don't think they had to have rebooted and done 52 to, to have had that success. Um, it, with maybe the exception of the Red Hood in it, it would have been hard to have him like he is now with his past in the old 52. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, oh, I feel like that reboot and putting every issue back to number one is going to become a pattern about every four or five years DC will do that. And so I think we'll be talking about these reboots for a while. I think that's going to be the new norm in comics. Yeah. Unfortunately you may be right. But uh, for me, I think if I had to choose a yes and no answer, I'm probably going to have to say no. For me personally, it hasn't been a success from a story standpoint. I mean, besides what Snyder is doing and then a few good issues here and there and the other Batman books, and stuff like Nightwing has been great, but if they didn't have the two main greats the Snyder stories, Court of Owls and Death of the Family, I'd really say it'd be even more of a disappointment because still, even with those good stories, I still find myself liking the old continuity better and just the stories that were developed in the pre-New 52 universe. Just the origin stories for characters and the stories that were told there and how the characters developed throughout the years and the situations they got gone to throughout all those years before the, I guess you could say after... Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the continuity that started from that. All that stuff has they developed into some really great stories, and the characters have been great. And then, like I said, a lot of the Court of Owls and Death of the Family story were awesome. And like you said, Terrence, they can fit if they wanted to into the pre-New 52 universe. There was nothing too drastic about that, those stories where they had to be rebooted. So, yeah, I'd have to say for me it hasn't been a success where I still find myself going back to that old continuity when I think of Batman in comics, I think about mainly all those past story and the history and origins of the characters pre-New 52. I don't look at the New 52 as like the new definitive, I guess, a main Batman continuity going on in comics right now. I still go back to the pre-New 52 universe. So it hasn't really won me over where I'm forgetting about it and I'm enjoying this, whatever new origin stories they develop for these characters. I still prefer the old ones. So Tim, you don't cherry pick your, your continuity, and continuity in the New 52? You just I, kind of revert back to the, the pre-New 52 continuity. Yeah, like I try, I try to, because when I'm reading stuff like a good story like Court of Owls or Death of the Family, and I'm just thinking, I think to myself, okay, all that other stuff happens, or like Batman's origin was how it was in the new pre-New 52, or Dick Grayson and Tim Drake's origin is how it was before the New 52. I, I kind of read it that way, but in the back of my mind, I know it's not. <laughs> and that kind of bugs me a little bit where... I could think that no matter how much I like to think that, it's still not truly the case where I make my own continuity and I think it works better. I think if you're able to do that, that's the best way to do it because you get more enjoyment that way. But like I said, in the back of my mind, it'll always bug me. No, that's not the case. You're just doing that yourself to try to make it fit better, but that's not how it is. Yeah, because I, I hate, and I mean I hate what they've done with Mr. Freeze in the new 52 yeah. Oh that. God, I'm the only one yeah. that likes it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, it, I'll cherry pick, and his his origin is Heart of Ice in the Batman animated series. He's at the end, and he's got that snow globe, and he's like Nora, yes. Nora. 
that's for his wife, not for some person he had a crush on and was obsessed about. So, yeah, I, I, I hate that new. But do you like it, Dane? Yeah, I love it. I felt that they took Paul Dini's Harvice and they, they brought it into the New 52, which was what the New 52 was supposed to be about for the um, for the Batman continuity, right? Yeah. No argument there, but just don't like the choice he made for the story uh, he went with. Why? It's refreshing. You know, for so many years we have this. So, Nora, the whole thing about it, and the reason why I like it, is is because it was refreshing. You know, it it wasn't the same old, uh, my wife got cancer or some disease, and, you know, um, I froze her, and I'm going to try to find a cure for her. You know, it, it, was, it was like you said, Terrence, he, he was pretty much stalking her. He was obsessed with her, and he, um, in his delusion, he, he's a psychotic, he was in love with this woman, and he, even though he never knew her, which I, I found to be so deep and so wonderful and so refreshing that, you know, I almost prefer that issue over Heart of Ice. Huh. Wow. <laughs> now you're killing me. <laughs> wow. No, I would agree with you if it was an Elseworlds story or if it was like a miniseries, like set in its own universe. But when it becomes the new standard, I think that maybe that's why I have the issue with it more so than just the the, the story part. But wow, more but than Heart of Ice. Wow. At the, at the same time, I agree what you're saying, Dane, where that's kind of the point of the new 52, where they're going all out and doing something different and refreshing, like you said. And I agree that he definitely did something different, but at the same time, I just I just can't get into that particular story point that he shows for Mr. Freeze. Well, it's like I said, guys. Only a Sith feels in absolutes. <laughs> that's your fallback line for everything that gets me. <laughs> like, I can't argue with that. Well, what are you saying, Karen? Well, I was going to say, you know, I understand where you're coming from. Like, that's the point in the New 52. Do a fresh take on it. Do, you know, it is new. But the problem is, like, they did that for Mr. Freeze, but then nobody else in the Batman universe. I mean, calling Tim Drake Red Robin isn't a dramatic reinvention of him. You know, like, it's almost like they... they, they played it safe and kept everything pretty close for everything else. If it was this whole new, completely different, you know, universe and they did it for everybody, it might be a little easier to take a change you don't like, like like you don't like Mr. Freeze, but it just seems like they didn't really, they didn't go full speed uh, with that on on everybody else. You know, oh, he's, he's, he wasn't Robin. He was Red Robin. Wow, radical, you know. So. <laughs> well, I mean, plus two, it's it takes you know a character that we know and love from Heart of Ice, and it and it takes that character who is a hockey character and it turns him into a into a psychotic, more like Joker, more like um, Riddler. Yeah, know, but it makes him more crazy. Yeah, but Batman already has a lot of villains like that, and that's why I think it was so great about the old Mister Freeze. It kind of set him apart from just being your typical crazy, psychotic Batman villain. You had that sympathy for him. He was a sympathetic character where you didn't really view him as a villain every single time because of the situation. That's what yeah. I always loved about him. Yeah, but in the end, isn't that kind of one-dimensional? No, well, to me, it just mixes up Batman's Rose Gallery better. So you're not having the same old, oh, this villain's crazy, this villain's crazy. Just stole an Arkham, another Arkham inmate. Mister Freeze was kind of different, which made yeah. it. I think his encounters with Batman that much more better because you're kind of like oh who do I root for yeah. Batman or Mr. Freeze yeah but I mean he has that he he has that haunted sense to him but it's, it's just in a different light you know he he's haunted but he's he's also psychotic and he's also kind of a stalker I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me ask you guys this how do you feel about the new 52 change that Jason Todd his destiny was shaped by the 
Joker, uh, and it was the Joker who who laid the groundwork for him to become Robin, and he yeah, so might even be. His, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because that's another horrible <laughs> decision they made with the character. Like, why would you do that? This lessens the character so much. Uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about. That. I've been trying to block that out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, and especially how they did it in a story where they, like they made the Joker the narrator, yeah, like, and, like talking to the audience and breaking down the fifth wall. It just was. Uh, yeah, it was just so off. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add that to my other disappointing checklist of New Fifty Two revelations. <laughs> Yeah, and then if if that is true, then how could you ever even have any doubt that the Joker would know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Exactly. People are still debating. In fact, in the Flash podcast, they were debating that as well. So, I mean, yeah, it just, just seemed a little too much to me. So, hopefully, better days are ahead for Batman comics in the New 52. It's not a complete disaster, but like I said, it's kind of yeah. a few great issues here, not so great issues there. I mean, it's kind of impossible to ask for all of them to be great, but it'd just be nice to like have more consistent books out there for Batman. David Hine hasn't written any New 52 books, so. <laughs> it's always good. That's always good. But I want to put it out to our three listeners out there. Do you agree with, with me about Mr. Freeze, or do you agree with Tim and Terrence? Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely let us know. Tell show Dane he's uh he's wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but Dane's wrong. <laughs> there has to be one person out there that likes no, I, I remember PJ me. really liking that too. Oh yeah, that's right. He was the only one. <laughs> yeah. Gary didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. PJ. <laughs> we'll get PJ back on this show. He he agrees with me a lot. <laughs> He's just a Snyder fanboy. <laughs> no matter what he does, he likes. Alright, so, I mean, I guess that's it. So, uh, I guess we can get into a conversation with Alex. Terrence, why don't you uh, read his conversation? Alright, we got one email this week from our loyal listener, Alex, and he writes, Hey, Bat fans, thanks again for another amazing episode. I was glad to hear your positive thoughts on the new Man of Steel trailer. Watched it because I'm trying to do my best for media blackout for the movie. Um, thanks for the recommendations of Injustice, although I like fighting games. I'm not very good at them. However, because of Tim's high praise, I picked it up and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. As a huge Bane fan, it's awesome to play as him in the Nightfall costume. Despite the unusual costume choices, I'm really shocked how much fan service was put into the game. I would have never guessed that we would be able to play a Selena Kyle's cat Isis in a game. Nether Realm gets the characters a lot more than a lot of the comic writers at DC, in my opinion. I was really interested in your discussion of time travel, although I thought it was an interesting concept that never made sense to me until recently when I watched Dragon Ball Z for the first time. The explanation of how going back to a different dimension at an earlier time and not changing the current timeline, I found to be fascinating. However, the Back to the Future version of time travel, although I find it kind of nonsensical, is way more fun. If there was a time-traveling toaster like the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, you can bet I would be abusing it all day. (laughs) My question's for you guys. What are your favorite moments in the new 52? How would you rank the decades of Batman in terms of your favorite stories from that decade, and what decade gave you your favorite depiction of Batman? For an example, my favorite decade of Batman stories is the 90s because of stories like Nightfall and No Man's Land. However, the 70s were probably my favorite depiction of Batman because he was much more vulnerable and using more detective skills. 
when they ends it. Thanks a lot, guys. Let's go to the first question, and I'll throw it out to you guys. What are your favorite moments in the new 52? And I guess we kind of did our Batman moments, so maybe how about uh, so maybe some non-Batman new 52 favorite moments? Yeah, first of all, uh, Alex, glad you uh, enjoyed Injustice. Glad uh, my review uh, got you together. Glad you enjoyed it. The game is awesome. Like you said, so much fan service in the game. It's just amazing to go through it all, but uh, glad you're having fun with it. As for my uh, favorite 52 moments, um, I guess even a particular moment in Batman, I'll just go ahead and say, I think it was issue number six in uh, where he's captured by the Court of Owls, and all those different members, like even the children, are attacking him, and then he just kind of loses it and goes all out and just starts beating up all those Court of Owl members and just really <laughs> laid it into them. I thought that was a great moment for Batman. But um, probably just other, like, main new 52 stuff, um, it wasn't so much a moment, but I guess the story revelation I thought was really cool was in Green Lantern, where we found out that the Indigo Tribe Lantern Corps, um, their whole purpose of being around was that Abin Sur was taking criminals, who were like biocriminals, and having them exposed to the Indigo uh, emotional spectrum force. And he was kind of building this Indigo Tribe to confront the Guardians, because he knew the Guardians were bad, and they were going to end up kind of destroying the core and just remaking the galaxy. So he was actually preparing for that and getting these different criminals and having them be the Indigo tribe, which I thought was a pretty cool story revelation for uh, the new 52 Green Lantern. So that'd probably be one of mine. Uh, for me, uh, in the Batman universe, it's got to be Batwoman. The first, like, 18 issues, which is one story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, that was amazing to read. I can't wait to buy the trade paper back for it. Um, but as for the DC overall, uh, the, the DC universe overall, I just read Batman, so I can't really sufficiently comment on that. Yeah, for me, you know, um, Batwoman's been a highlight, especially I think my favorite Batwoman moment was when Batwoman uh, proposed to Maggie Sawyer. I, I thought that was just an awesome moment um, as far as a moment goes. I've also really liked in Green Lantern, um, in the new 52, there's been a lot of Hal Jordan and Sinestro uh, team up, and it's, it's it's really like a good you know cop story, yeah, uh, yeah. cop team up, a lot of good banter. Sinestro, Jeff Johns writes Sinestro better than anybody, um, and uh, that's been really good. Justice League Dark, I've, I've enjoyed a lot um, since they've got their new writers on. Um, that's been that's been a really good team up book. Uh, so, and I wasn't expecting to like that as much. Um, and the flash has been a really, really good, really consistent, um, uh, book from the start with the new 52, all, uh, 19 or 20 of the issues that they've had. So, um, those are pretty highlights. Low lights, I think is Superman. Uh, uh they've, they've just completely dropped the ball on Superman. I, you know, I, I almost feel like I wish they could just reboot this whole Superman, uh, saga. And, um, I feel like they, they really dropped the ball on this whole Trinity, I guess Trinity's coming up. Hopefully they can bring it back. But there was so much interest when the first number ones came out and who this Pandora character was, and she was hidden in each book. And, you know, people were really, like, curious. And they've, I think they've just waited too long to really do anything with that. And um, now people just don't care. Um, and uh, Aquaman's been pretty good, too. Uh, you know, Aquaman's yeah, had some yeah. really good moments. Um, and then the seg other question about the favorite decades and, and Batman stories... Um, I probably have to agree with you, Alex, that the 90s is my favorite, 
partly because that's when I was reading it, um, you know, uh, as, a, as a kid and, and really getting into it. And they had a lot of exciting stuff happening with Nightfall and No Man's Land. And there's a lot of different artists um, and probably, you know, the anything before the 90s. I just haven't read enough. I, it's been very sporadic here and there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll go I'll go with the 90s. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm going to have to be in agreement. 90s, too. That's when I first, like I said, Nightfall got into comics and started collecting, and there were some other good stories in that decade, like No Man's Land, like you mentioned. And then, plus, just the 90s was a good decade for Batman in general because that's when we got Batman in the animated series, which lasted to uh, 1992 and then ended in 99. So I would say that was a pretty good decade for Batman. <laughs> but uh, the question as far as uh, favorite depiction of Batman in the comics, I have to say I kind of like how he's depicted – towards a time of identity crisis and infinite crisis where he was just kind of so distant from the Justice League where he didn't trust them anymore. He had the OMAG project and they wiped his mind out or his memories away of what happened with uh, Dr. Light and the Watchtower. I just loved how Batman was kind of just determined to not necessarily bring the Justice League down, but to kind of show where, kind of get even more, like they shouldn't have wiped out his memory wiped him from that experience and just how he was distant himself from the Justice League, but yet he was still focused or on his main mission with the other Batman family members. I just kind of like how he was depicted throughout that whole infinite crisis time period. Even though I've heard a lot of people think he was too much of a jerk in that in that time period, but I kind of liked his attitude in that. Because what the Justice League did to him was pretty messed up in erasing his memory. Uh, probably the the late 90s to the early 2000s, because like you, that that's when I first started getting into Batman. So probably those two uh, generations. But um, do, do you guys think anybody would ever pick, like, the 1930, 40 Batman? I would say yes, if how he was in the first few issues of Detective and Batman, if he stayed that way for a while, like through that whole decade, yes. I would definitely say yes. It'd probably be one of my favorites, but I like how he was in those first few issues, despite him using a gun. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Tim, what's your favorite uh, uh, era of Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there anything to choose but the 90s, since that's when the book and the movies came out? 2000? Well, 2001 was Jurassic Park 3. three. Yeah. So, yeah, the first movie was the best, so we got to go with the 90s. <laughs> I would agree with that, Tim. I would agree with that. <laughs> it was a hard choice. <laughs> um, so is that, it? is that it from Alex? That's Alex. I just want to mention, he mentioned Injustice, and I was going to say that uh, I have not bought the game yet. I'm waiting for it to go down in price. But I did download the demo, and uh, it's awesome. And uh, it was funny because I started playing it, and my seven-year-old stepdaughter took a peek at it while I was playing it. She's like, why are there red sparks coming off everybody? And I'm just (laughs) like, oh, those aren't sparks. Those That's blood. And she's like, what? You know, but then she's watching it. She's like, let me play, let me play. And she's just become obsessed with playing the demo <laughs> and wants to get the game. So I don't know if I'm scarring her for life, letting her play that game or, or what, but the demo's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then, um, you two are going to have some great matches when you get the game. Yeah. So, so Terrence, you brought up your stepdaughter. Uh, how was that party? <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. It was uh, like 18 girls. And since I'm I'm a teacher at her school, I, they all know me as, you know, a teacher there, too. So I and they were playing and dancing Taylor Swift and One Dimension. Oh, right. or one Direct, I keep calling One Dimension. The One Direction and all these teeny bopper stuff. So it was. Uh, yeah, I, I was pretty wiped out by the end of it. But uh, but were they all well behaved because you know, you're a teacher and they didn't want to do anything wrong to get in trouble? 
I guess so. They, I got some weird looks. It was kind of weird. Like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, you know, but, um, actually they're, they're all pretty good kids. Um, if they were boys, they'd probably be off the wall, but you know, girls are so different. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, speaking of family here, my wife had some listener feedback. She had a, a question for you guys, actually two questions. And, uh, the first question she wanted to know, what jobs do you do? What, what, what job do you have? And basically, is this kind of just a job or is this the career that you wanted? And if it's not your ultimate career, what, what is your ultimate career uh, that you would want to have? Uh, it's time to bore everybody with my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the home inspection business where <laughs> uh, the banks issue out inspections on homes to find out if anyone's living there, if the property's occupied or vacant. So I process those orders, and we send them out to the field inspectors. They send the report back, and we send the reports back to the banks that order them. Very fun and exciting, I know. <laughs> when you're going up to a house, do you ever think, like, this could be it? This could be, you know, there could be, like, a superhero in here, or this could be, like, a hostage situation, and I could rescue well, sometimes, all just No, but sometimes when the, I get photos back of these vacant houses that are abandoned, there's the people leave toys in there. I did see a picture where someone had a toy lightsaber left there. Like, it's almost all, <laughs> oh, man. I should go and get it. <laughs> when you say abandoned house, I think of like the, those hideouts the scarecrow had in the yeah. dark night. You know, uh, some of them look like comic, that. Yeah, you, you might find Batman in my basement one day and, and be the hero. <laughs> Oh man! And so, is that your ultimate career, or if you could have any any ultimate career, what would you? Well, as a kid, I didn't grow up saying that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my ultimate job, if I could, if I think it's past now, would just be in the band in the music business. <laughs> I mean, as a teenager, I was in the band and we would play a lot of places. But that was like the dream job or the dream goal, but. Yeah, nothing ever materialized with that. <laughs> How about you, Dane? The only thing I know, I, I do know from a previous podcast that there's a guy at your work who who uh, looked at your dragon tattoo and thought it told you that they actually really found a dragon somewhere up in South America or something. But I, I don't actually know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I work for a lighting manufacturer, a high end um, lighting manufacturer. Um, pretty much, we send high end lighting throughout the world so you've probably seen it you just don't know it's from us so um yeah i that's that's where i work it's it's not a career or anything it just pays the bills to be honest it, it, it makes it so i can buy comics every two weeks <laughs> and do this podcast <laughs> and stuff like that uh but as for a professional career probably a professional mango picker <laughs> how does that sound as a, as a career yeah so a professional mango picker Nice. And then uh do are those lights manufactured in Hawaii or Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. And then shipped all over yeah. the world. Cool. My wife's other question was do you guys have any pets? I technically no, but there's a my neighbor's cat who always comes up to our house <laughs> and it's pretty much like our own pet. <laughs> so but no, I don't officially have any pets. I had a dog when I was a kid though. His name was Sherlock. He had him for 11 years. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a cat and a dog. Do they get along? <laughs> oh, no, they they don't live in the same house. Because <laughs> uh, my girlfriend and I have two different houses. We have an old apartment, and then we have her parents' house. So we spend time between the two. Cool. Well, and now everybody knows Dane and Tim just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> 
For good or for worse. <laughs> yes. And we'll have to add, Alex, you have to send us an email with your answers and uh, <laughs> find out if you have any pets. Yeah. We yes, don't have any bad cows. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to get into the comic reviews now. But before we do, uh, Dane had to step out for the remainder of the podcast. So just going to be me and Terrence handling the comics for this episode. But uh, for this episode, we're going to have cover the weeks of May 1st, which was this is past week, and also April 24th. And during those weeks, we had Batman Inc. number 10, Batman the Dark Knight number 19, and Batwing number 20, and Detective Comics number 20. And the rating scale for this episode is, since Dane is not here, we're going to go ahead and use him as our rating scale. Things that Dane is wrong on in the new 52, because we all know he's wrong on the Mr. Freeze thing, right, Terrence? <laughs> exactly, yep. Okay, so I guess I'll go ahead and start off with Batman Inc. number 10. And we're kind of winding down as far as the story. I think there's only three issues left after this. It ends with number 13. But I felt this issue kind of took a step back from the last two issues, which I thought were great, dealing with Damien's death and the actual issue with his death. But it's kind of starting to move away from that. And to me, I just felt this issue, there was a lot of different things going on throughout the book. I mean, it starts out with Batman recruiting Azrael back into the New 52 and Batman Incorporated, which I totally forgot about him. And then it kind of goes to Talia confronting Ra's al Ghul, who is locked up in a prison cell, which I kind of like that sequence because kind of Ra's is telling Talia that while her plan may be good overall, but there's something like there's one vital thing you overlooked, and but they didn't really reveal what that was. And Talia is kind of talking back to him like, no, I spent years developing this plan, and it's perfect. But she just leaves, and she hears Ra's al Ghul laughing in the background. So something's up that he knows that it's going to go down. That won't be good for her. Then it's just going, showing how Gotham's kind of going against Batman because Talia, that's what she told him to, that she has the city in her grip really pretty much. And then it shifts to Batman visiting Lucius Fox about this new bat suit that's pretty much, it's a pretty powerful suit, but no one's able to use it. There's a high risk to it. And that kind of gets Bruce's attention. And how the issue ends, which... I really didn't like because it's something that Batman does that I don't think he would. It's where it basically the issue ends with him taking the man bat serum and he uses that serum and goes into that new high tech suit that Lucius Fox showed him. And he's the last page is him in that shoot in that suit as man bat that's going to confront Talia. I just thought, uh, I don't think Batman's that desperate to rely on the man bat serum to take down Talia and her men. It just, I did like the sequence that led up to that where it's kind of harking back to the origin of Batman where he's sitting on this chair and he thinks to himself, I have to be something that strikes fear into the hearts of criminals, something black, terrible, a bat. That's it. I'll become a bat. I mean, that's classic lines that Batman says to himself before he decides to become Batman. But to use it in a sense literally where he's going to become a bat, uh, I don't know. I just didn't think it was something Bruce would be desperate to do to stop Talia. Then another thing I thought was disappointing was the art in this issue. Uh, there was three different artists throughout the book. You had Chris Burnham doing the first few pages, and then it really drops where I, the art just looked, it really didn't look good, especially the sequence with Nightwing and Red Robin. Nightwing's face and his expression just looked weird to me. It just looked off, <laughs> or it just didn't flow good with the rest of the art in the issue. So that was another disappointing thing to it. So yeah, I think it's like this issue just setting up the big confrontation between Tally. I didn't read the issue, but I have it in front of me. I'm looking through it, and there's one page 
uh, where uh, Tim and Dick are together and their heads, their craniums just look yeah. so off. Nightwing looks like the elephant man at one point, <laughs> And then Tim's head looks, you know, three sizes too big. Uh, jumping off the building. So yeah, I have not read it, but I, I totally agree with you on just, you know, browsing through the art that you're correct on that. Yeah, exactly the panel I was talking about. Yeah, this this catches you by surprise because like the rest of the issue didn't look like this. What's going on? <laughs> it just looks so bad. So yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of different subplots going through this whole issue. You got the thing where uh, Jason Todd's been captured by Bat- Batman Incorporated members of Hood who betrayed him, but then it turns out they reveal that they're all on the same side, and the woman who has Dick or Jason captured reveals that yeah, they're all together, we're working together, but they don't reveal why and who she is. So. There's still some mysteries going on there, but I just thought there was too many things going on in this overall issue to make it really enjoyable as the last uh, two issues we got. So overall, I'd probably just give it two out of five things that Dane is wrong on in the new 52. Hopefully it starts picking up again for a good finale to this Batman Incorporated storyline and just Grant Morrison's run in general. So after that, we had The Dark Knight number 19. So what do you think of this one, Terrence? Um, it was good, but not kind of like Batman Inc., you know, not as good as the previous issues. Um, partly I think it was because of the art, um, Ethan Van Skyver, uh, was not on this one, which I think it's just, um, you know, I think he just was, was taking a break. I don't think he's off the book. He's still on it. But, um, you know, the art I felt was kind of a step down. Um, the story kind of didn't really move very far. Most of the story was about the Mad Hatter setting up this make-believe world or this play, which we've already known about and seen. And then it went a little more into him taking these drugs um, as a kid, which we already knew about and, and had seen. Um, and then, you know, it, it just it kind of didn't really move very long. Um, uh, kind of uh, they do like a trial run of the play, which is the artwork was a little surreal, reminded me a little bit of Arkham Asylum a bit. Um, and then, um, it ended with, you know, um, him killing like literally like hundreds of people, I think in the river, at least a hundred, which makes me wonder why anyone would ever live in Gotham. Like, why would you not move out? <laughs> you know, uh, I just thought it was a little excessive. Um, and, um, I guess it, it also has the revelation that Jervis Trench, um, will now focus on Batman's girlfriend, uh, what's her name, Natalia, for his Alice, which I thought was pretty good. But since we haven't seen Natalia in any other books, I, I get the feeling with her that she's not a permanent character. She's just a temporary, you know, story plot. So it makes me think that she's either going to get killed here or she'll be fridged, as they say in the comics, or... um she'll get abused somehow and then just be like, I don't want any part of you or, or Bruce will break up with her saying you can't be a part of this for your own protection and she'll just be gone. And, and that'll be that. Um, so, you know, overall it wasn't bad, but it really didn't reveal that much. It, it kind of just retreaded things we already did. And it, it made me kind of miss Ethan Van Skyver's art. So I'd give it uh two and a half uh, things that Dane is wrong about in the new 52 um, out of five. Yeah, I think I, like this issue a little more than you did, but I kind of know what you're talking about as far as it was good, but not as good as the last two or maybe more than two. I kind of forget how long the story arc was going for, but I did still think this is a good continuation of the main story point of the Mad Hatter. I really like the, again, the flashback sequences. Just, you know, we finally get the revelation of what really turned Jervis into 
a crazy psychotic villain. We just kept taking those pills, and then every time he took it, it had a different effect on him. We see him losing his hair, which kind of prompts him to wear his first Mad Hatter hat, and then he keeps taking more, and he goes to confront Alice again, and how she's pretty much done with him now. He just getting too weird. He's just too strange now, just getting too psychotic with taking those pills. And then I just love the sequence, too, where it just shows him taking it in a cup of tea, and he just looks ferocious and just dangerous, and you see him bloodied when his parents come in. I thought it was a nice touch, too, where it ended, where he has to end up going to the Arkham Detention Facility for uh, youths. And I just thought it was kind of a tragic ending to the character of Jervis as a kid, just because we saw how his upbringing was and how he was as a kid, a good person who maybe was a little different because of his uh, height, but yet he had loving parents, he got he had friends, he got along with his girlfriend, or person he wanted to be his girlfriend, but just to see it all come crumbling down like that I thought was a, a good way to introduce him as to become a villain not just something typical where it's just like where he takes revenge on all these uh, people that did him wrong or treating him differently now but he said he just gets locked up into like an Arkham detention facility center but um, like you said the whole thing with Bruce and Natalia I agree with you where we haven't seen too much of her it's for this to like be really connected to the relationship that Bruce has to her I still think it's kind of strange that he rebuilt her or that he's Batman Especially, like we said, we haven't seen her in any other story arcs or any other Batman titles. But I did like how it's tying in where Mad Hatter thinks she's the perfect Alice for him to recreate that magical day he had with her when he took her to that fair. It looks like that's the whole point of um, his plan is just to recreate that day so he can, I guess, live it over and over again. So I did like how it connected with that. And kind of like you said, too, with how it ended where he ends up killing all those people in Gotham City who he had control with those hats. I think something that Greg Hurwitz has done in the Scarecrow arc and even in his uh, Penguin story uh, from a year ago, where he tries to get Gotham City involved at the end of his arcs where the city has to become under attack in some way, where the people in Gotham have to suffer. I think that kind of takes away a little bit from his story. I mean, we'll see how this one wraps up, but with the Penguin and the Scarecrow one, I thought those were unnecessary things to bring the whole citizens of Gotham City involved into the conflict that Batman is having with the villains. So it's kind of the same thing here. I just kind of wish he would just focus it mainly on Batman and the Mad Hatter and now Natalia. So we'll see how it wraps up, but I still thought this was a very uh, solid issue. I think the story is moving forward in a good way with Mad Hatter. I'm just liking what Greg Hurwitz is doing with the character. So, yeah, not as good as the last few issues we've gotten with him, but still a good solid issue. I'm going to go ahead and give it three and a half out of five things that Dane is wrong on in the New 52. Yeah, I didn't even know Arkham had a, a youth center detention. I don't know if this is the first mention of it, but I thought that was a cool thing, cool little twist. Yeah, um, I don't think I've heard it before either, but like you said, yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. And I do like how his madness is sort of um, affected by pills, and like we've got the blue pills. And um, I know in the Alice in Wonderland, it's like take the, the, the pills. I, I have, I'm not that familiar on Alice in Wonderland. I know the Jefferson Starship song, you know, one pill makes you bigger, one pill makes you smaller, and or the Matrix, you know, yeah. take the blue pill, take the red pill. Uh, so it kind of has that Alice in Wonderland um, uh, kind of connection. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, so I forget how long the story arc ends, if it's got one more issue or two more. I know it's definitely wrapping up, but it looks like the next one might be the final one. But I just hope it ends as good as it started because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been really good. All right, so that was it for the week of uh, April 24th. So uh, moving on to the week of May 1st, we had Batwing number 20 and Detective Comics number 20. Let's go ahead and go with Detective Comics number 20. What do you think of that one, Terrence? 
You know, I was probably the biggest Detective Comics fan on this podcast um, when the new creative team took over, and I really, really liked the Clayface uh, Poison Ivy storyline, but I'm kind of jumping off the bandwagon a little bit here. <laughs> or uh, this, this was It's getting a little old. It's getting a little disappointment. A lot of what I liked um, when Tony Daniels left and Jason Fabok took over, the, the non-linear storytelling and all that has kind of been abandoned or not really – used as well as it was here um the emperor penguin storyline it's just it's just gone on too long um so to start off the the cover kind of has a little foreshadowing where you see emperor penguin who looks like an x-men i think is it beaster or not not beast um nightcrawler nightcrawler yeah. <laughs> thank you he looks just like nightcrawler right, without the tail um, so I was a little like, uh, you know, they, they could have come up with something a little more original, um, choking Batman here. And it, in the first page, I was kind of like, why is he doing this? Cause he's robbing a bank and he looks right up at the camera and he's like, come and get me Batman. So I'm like, why is he doing this? He's obviously got enough money as, you know, the crime boss taking over the penguin. He's got more money than what's in that bank probably. Um, so it just kind of didn't really jive with me right from the start. And then a lot of it takes place, the big fight with Batman and the Emperor Penguin, where he's got a cigarette in his mouth the whole time in the rain, which maybe maybe it's just stupid, but that just threw me off. Like, it just took me out of, like, why does he have a cigarette? I don't think I've ever seen anybody else with a cigarette fighting in the rain, staying lit. And it took me out of it a bit. And then the Penguin kind of gets back on his feet, and Emperor Penguin is able to get Batman a, a chain around his neck, hang him up in a tree, says he then just leaves and just like, oh, yeah, I figure he's dead. I, I got to make some phone calls. And so then Batman gets saved by the Penguin. And I was just, I was, oh, that just bothered me. Yeah. I was like, Batman being saved by the Penguin. First of all, all right, Batman could get out of a chain around his neck and need the Penguin to get out of that. He's gotten out of much worse, you know. And uh, then the Penguin, it just, that just put a sour taste in my mouth. And then, when he gets the Emperor Penguin, Emperor Penguin is kind of like, well, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I was on top, even if it was just for a little bit. I that, and that just it just seems so. I don't know. It just seemed like bad writing, or just really that's his motivation to be the king of guys for about forty-five seconds. That's all he was doing. Um, and then um, it kind of has a little foreshadowing with this assassin, which it looks like she's got six arms or some kind of spider woman. I'm not really sure. Um, but then it, the the backup story tells sort of the the, the story of Ignatius Ogilvy as a kid and his father, and it really kind of I, I felt it was misplaced. Like this story of his youth should have been told three or four issues ago. It, it kind of I'm feeling like we're done with the Emperor Penguin. It's all over. It's all done. Why are you telling me this now? And then it kind of ends with him becoming Emperor Blackgate which really just kind of said, oh, we're not done with him. He's going to be around for a while, yeah, you know. Right. And, yeah, so it's just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm hoping the next issue they kind of do something different. I'm hoping Emperor Blackgate Penguin Nightcrawler is not in it <laughs> for a while. Um, and let me ask you, he goes to Blackgate and he's talking to this guy who's the boss who's got, like, ears that – at first I thought he was a man bat. but then yeah, he me was, too. Wasn't? Do you have any idea who this guy was or is? No. Or? Yeah, it okay. took me by surprise too. Like, who is this guy? Like, is he someone who took Kirk Langstrom's serum or something? But they're not really ears. Like, they're just 
almost kind of looked like horns and stuff, like a ram or something. Yeah, and he's got a nose ring. And, uh, yeah, so if any of our listeners know who that guy is, please let us know. Because they don't even say his name. Uh, Emperor uh, Nightcrawler says to him, like, uh, oh, I know you. And he's like, just call me the boss. I'm the boss, you know. Um, so uh, I don't know. But, you know, this this was definitely disappointing. The last issue was so disappointing being 900 and not really being 900 and feeling like it was just advertisements for other books to buy. And, you know, you pay seven ninety nine for a book that has like four pages of a story that says, Man, now go read Talon to find the rest and all that stuff. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm probably going to give this, I'll be generous and give this two out of five uh, things that Dana's wrong about in New 52. Um, and maybe that might be a little high, but um, obviously, I didn't care for it too much. What do you think, uh, Tim? Yeah, it's probably not going to be that much different from what you thought <laughs> of it. I will say there is one good thing about this issue, is that the story arc finally ended <laughs> yeah. with Emperor Penguin. But then, like you said, we got that backup issue where it looks like he's going to be Emperor Blackgate. And I was like, oh, great. He's not done with him yet. Can't wait to see where that goes. But everything you said, on, I agree with the whole fight sequence Batman had was him out in the rain. It was like, come on, Batman has fought worse than this. And they're kind of trying to make explanations for it, where he took the man-bat serum. He had something with poison ivy that he did. I don't remember if they mentioned venom at all, but for some reason I think that maybe he, there was some venom in him that he was able to make himself stronger, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But either way, yeah, it was something where this didn't sit right with me, like you said, where he, he gets Batman all chained up, leaves him for dead, and then out of all people, the Penguin has to save him. And then what really gets me is that when Batman confronts him again, he says a line where, like, oh, you took me by surprise this time. I was fighting you like a man before. This time, uh, I'll fight you like if you're a monster. Like, you couldn't tell that before <laughs> yeah. when he looked like some weird blue guy. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, this, the way Batman was written here wasn't good at all. And then the whole thing where I just wish when Penguin came, I thought that would have been a nice end to the whole Emperor Penguin story where Penguin shoots him in the head. But, no, he's still alive. And like you said in the backup, we see him in Blackgate Prison. And another thing that really bothered me was how his they showed his origin story where it's supposed to be like the opposite of what happened to Bruce Wayne. His parents were killed in front of him out of the coming of a movie theater, but yet um, he had to really no effect on him. Just instead of having the reaction Bruce had, he had the opposite reaction. Like, uh, I don't want to see a story that mirrors Bruce Wayne's origin, especially wasted on a character like Ogilvy. Who is he to have the same origin as Bruce Wayne? It's just such a great origin story, a unique situation that happens to Bruce and drives him to be Batman. That's what makes it great about it, where it's, it's probably not going to happen the same way it did to anyone else. But that for someone like Ogilvy, it did. So, yeah, I just really didn't like that at all. So, yeah, this whole story arc with Emperor Penguin, I'm glad it's done, but, man, was it a disappointment that lasted longer than it needed to. So I'm going to want to give it one and a half out of five things that Dane is, Dane is wrong about in the New 52. <laughs> but Dane was not wrong about this one. He's hated it from the start. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you real quick. At the end, that, that girl shows up, uh, or that woman, with the multiple arms, uh, did you recognize her at all? Because the solicitations for next month say, first of all, they say Harper Rowe joins Batman on the case. I think this is Harper Rowe's first appearance outside of Scott Snyder's writing. Uh, but then it says um, on a case that will lead all the way back to Detective Comics Zero, which I think we, we just talked about, about that was like a year zero training. Yeah. So was she in 
the um like Tibet was she that that person he fell in love with? I don't have issue zero in front of me. It's in a long box somewhere, but that's you know true. that's true. Yeah, I remember that, but when I first saw her, I didn't get that impression that it was her. I mean, it could be if they're tying back to that. I think she was the only one who survived in that because both the husband and wife couple that were training Bruce, they both died. Yeah. And so, but when I first saw her, I thought I thought it might have been an Amazon or something. It looked like she was wearing Amazon armor. She kind of has like a look of Wonder Woman, but with those six arms that she has in the background, like, okay, I don't really know who this is. And it wasn't something that got me intrigued where, oh, I can't wait to see who she is and what's she all about. So, I don't know. Can't be much worse than Emperor Penguin, I'll say that. Yeah, and you know what's weird, too, is uh, Detective Comics number 22, the solicitations say, meet the Wraith. You know, the, he's the anti-Batman. And if you go back, now maybe they'll redo his origin, but the origin of the Wraith, uh, pre-52, was that his parents were murdered on the same night as Bruce Wayne's parents. Like, they were both made orphans on that night. And, in fact, um, his parents, pre-52, were murdered by um, uh, Jim Gordon. Uh, but it was, he was, they were criminals. I think they were robbing a bank or and there was a shootout, and Gordon killed him, and then the Wraith was coming after Gordon, um, and it was done, like, on the same night. So if they're going to keep that origin, then that's three characters whose parents were murdered in Gotham. Like, that, that, I don't know. See, it that's seems a, a little repetitive, yeah. That's a good origin story that mirrors Batman's, but it's different. Not with yeah. the same situation that Bruce has. Yeah. I hope they keep it, because that sounds cool. I never really read anything with the Wraith before, so. I think there's a trade paperback, um that collects the the Wraith stories because there was a um like the original story appeared actually in a Batman special uh in 1984 I pulled it up here and then um I believe it was Legends of the Dark Knight or maybe no or Batman Confidential one of those like uh, anthology books um did a, a a whole like reboot of it but kept the origin the same but just like re you know updated them for the the 21st century um, and so, uh, you know, if you can get that, uh, trade paperback, I actually got it out of my public library, so I don't own it, but, um, it is actually pretty good. Yeah, because the origin story from what you were telling me about uh, Gordon murdering his parents and a criminal, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, here, Batman Confidential 13, 14, 15, and 16, uh, had the retcon version of it. Yeah. Oh, uh. <laughs> here, they retconned it a little bit. His father is a, Corrupt cop who was robbing a warehouse with his wife and his son acting as lookout. Gordon confronts them and in a gunfight kills the parents in self-defense. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, it was actually, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. I even thought like in the, the dark night, they could have even incorporated that because that night when, uh, Jim Gordon puts his coat around Bruce Wayne, you know, who's to say he wasn't, you know, <laughs> shooting the Wraith's parents right before that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next movie series, he could be the villain. Yeah, just so that it's Batman can fight the race. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the last comic we had for uh, this episode is going to be Batwing number 20, or as I'm going to call it, Batman Beyond number 20. Yeah. That's the impression I had while reading this issue. I mean, it starts off just like it. I mean, first off, the suit is awesome. I said it before when I first saw the solicitations of the new Batwing costume. I just think it looks really cool. And seeing it throughout the whole issue was pretty cool. So that had that going for it. But, um, yeah. For me, I just felt it was too familiar to Batman Beyond, especially in the beginning where Bruce is pretty much doing the same thing he does with Terry, talking to him as he's fighting crime, fighting this group of bad guys and a villain. 
and uh, Luke Fox as the new Batwing. He kind of has Terry's attitude where he's kind of has a smart mouth and sign, saying things back to Batman as he's giving him instructions. It just, you know, let's have that whole Batman Beyond vibe to it. And I don't think what was written here in the dialogue they had was bad. It just felt too familiar. Just We've seen it before with Batman Beyond. And Luke's character, um, I kind of like his the background setting that he has where he's not someone who has, like, a tragic background. He has a good family. Lucius Fox wants the best for him. He wants them. He's kind of looked like with a strict parent making him uh, stay close to his, like, academic goals and making sure he builds himself a good career financially and just pretty strict upbringing, it looks like. But then to kind of get into a little bit of an argument where Luke Fox says he wants to travel the world, but yet he's really going to become Batwing and be part of Batman Incorporated. But he doesn't tell his family or his father about that. So I guess that's going to be the conflict he goes through without some upcoming issues, dealing with the fact that Lucius Fox is his dad, but he doesn't know he's working with Batman and Batwing and Batman Incorporated. So I like all that aspects to it, but I guess the main story that's going on here, Bruce sends him out to be to Africa to I guess to take David's place as Batwing, and he confronts this weird <laughs> like lion villain. <laughs> he says he's like a warlord or whatever to control this. I forget exactly what he was, if he was like a drug dealer or just a regular criminal, but he, lo- he looks like a centaur lion. <laughs> Instead of He has like a lion's body and like a lion face, but like a, a human torso and arms and that type of stuff. So it was kind of a weird design to see in a Batman comic book. But I guess when you're the Batman of Africa and <laughs> with lions there, I guess you can kind of expect it. But it just looked a little too strange for me to see Batwing going up against a villain like this. So, overall, I didn't think it was a horrible issue. I just thought it felt too familiar to Batman Beyond. And I guess when you have to compare the two, I'd rather read more adventures of Batman Beyond, because so far, Terry's a better character than Luke Fox. But then again, this is his first issue, so can't really uh, judge him too much since this is his first one. So, it was enjoyable, but um, I would still rather prefer David be continuing on his battling and seeing what he has to go through after what happened to him in the last story arc especially in this new suit, because it's so cool, and I would love to see David use it instead of the one he had. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five things that Dane was wrong about in the new 52. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. The suit is awesome. Love the suit. The story, the relationship between Bruce and uh, uh, Luke just is way too much of a ripoff from Batman Beyond. Uh, just Bruce is about 30 or 40 years younger. That's about it. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he's calling him Luke instead of Terry. Um, but even Terry's, I'm sorry, I'm doing it here. Even Luke's dialogue and his like sarcasm and all that just sounded just like Terry. Like he's written just like Terry. Um, and then, um, you know, I almost wish they would have just, if they were going to do this drastic change, they should have canceled the book, waited a month or two, and then come back with a new Batwing number one or given him a new name. It's just kind of weird. I I don't know if this is going to catch on because the sales for Batwing are terrible. They are just in the bottom of DC Comics, so I don't know how long um, it'll they'll stick with this if the sales don't go up, and I don't know if this is going to cause the sales to go up or not, because um, Luke Cage is a new character, no one cares about him, so it's not not like people are going to be like, oh, Luke Cage, I gotta f- read this. It's like, well, you know, I mean, Luke that, Fox. <laughs> Luke, I call him Luke Cage. Who's I know, Luke? I thought the Cage same is thing a too. Character, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Luke. Uh, they're both African Americans, right? Let's just is call Luke? him Luke Skywalker. The yeah. one and only Luke. <laughs> Luke is, yeah. Um, 
So the Luke in this story, you know, uh, Luke two here, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't have a following, but, um, I, and I was kind of disappointed in the villains. They just seem like stereotypical comic book villains. Um, they kind of like, even the African characters were just kind of like, you know, like stereotypical African monster kind of thing, like a lion and some kind of African warrior women where Nightwing, uh, Nightwing, hello, Batwing was, uh, dealing with like some serious issues that Africa faced, you know, police corruption and, you know, witnesses being afraid to testify and, you know, people with money having just way too much power, um, you know, in corrupt systems. And this looks like it's just a, uh, you know, a, a X-Men fighter comic with no, you know, real story and no hard hitting issues. Um, and there's really no motivation here for why Luke Fox uh, wants to be a hero or be Batwing. Like it says he's trying, was trying to get Bruce's attention. Um, and maybe it'll develop. Maybe, maybe I'm just being too harsh because they've only had two issues, but you know, what's his motivation for wanting to do this? What, what's he being driven by? You know, Batman had the murder of his parents. You know, David had his whole upbringing and, and wanting to fight the corruption in Africa. You know, Luke, you know, he's coming. His father's a, uh, you know, a, a, big wig at Wayne Enterprises. They live in this, you know, you know, awesome house. You know, he's fit. He's, you know, young. I mean, I, you would think that he'd want to just go out and go to college and you know, have a good time and, you know, maybe do something, you know, um, meaningful, become a doctor or something. You know, why does he want to become a superhero? Uh, you know, but, you know, I guess it's a different universe where, where they actually have superheroes. But, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to see more of what exactly his motivation is. So, um, I'm kind of rambling here, so I'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking longer than it took me to read the issue because, uh, <laughs> the issue went quick. Um, so yeah, I'd give it two and a half, uh, things that Dane is wrong about in the new 52 out of five. Yeah, this is probably their last, I guess, effort to try to make Batwing sell good, get a new character, a younger character, a cool new suit. Like you said, if the sales are really that bad, and this doesn't improve it, it's probably not going to last too long. I know they said they kind of they like having that diversity in the books, but I guess if it's not selling, then there's not much they can change other than this as far as giving a new costume, new character, new setting. But, yeah, we'll see if it works. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up our comic review section. But before we end the show, um, it's time to finally announce the winner of our contest for The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2 Blu-ray. So I'm gonna need some. I need a drum roll or something, but <laughs> to make yeah. it more epic. But since we don't have one, we'll just announce it. So had a few uh, reviews given us through iTunes, and so the winner after a drawing is gonna be Jake Mahan. Hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. But uh, Jake, you are the winner. So congratulations, and uh, I'll be sending off those two Blu-ray copies to you as soon as possible. So. Thanks a lot for uh, entering and giving us a great iTunes review. We appreciate that. And also to the other few who uh, entered in and gave us an iTunes review, uh, we still appreciate it. So uh, congratulations. Hopefully, maybe we'll do another contest again soon. So uh, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up the show. Unless you got anything else you wanted to add, Terrence? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, everybody have a good two weeks. We'll see you then. And I, Dane usually says, you know, don't worry, we'll be back. We love you. We'll be back. But I can't make that guarantee. We might not be back. <laughs> an asteroid could hit, you know, 
tragedy could befall, you know, apocalypse, you know, who knows what could happen. So, you know, you might be on your own. No, you know, bat, no bat fans, you know, this could be it, you know. True. This future is always unknown, but we'll try yeah. our best to make it through all those disasters and come back to you. <laughs> the next I'm being like the anti-Dane here, yeah. you know, <laughs> he, he's reassuring, um, um, you know, you never know. You could be coming out of a, uh, you could go see the movie Zorro and get shot dead in the street. Like, <laughs> like the Waynes it could happen. Yeah. yeah I got to be here and keep the balance between you two. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So, yeah, you can check us out on the host site, the Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net. Also on Facebook, at facebook.com slash batmanuniverse. And also on Twitter, where uh, the Batman, just the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And then if you want, uh, you can follow each of us. I'm at TimG311. And Terrence, uh, you want to give out your Twitter handle? Yeah, I'm at IOD1974 on Twitter. And uh, you can email us uh, at uh, batfans27 at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you think. Is Dane right about uh, Mr. Freeze? Or let us know if you think he's wrong. Which Mr. Freeze do you like best? Or is is Arnold's version your favorite? (laughs) That's going to be the one that everyone enters and says, oh, that one's the best. Yes. (laughs) We're all wrong. And they put R-E, ice to see you. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, Tim, well, thanks a lot. Sorry about my technical difficulties here, but I think that was pretty good. Oh, yeah, no problem. I know right. you and Dave were going back and forth. I was kind of waiting for something to happen on my end. Yeah. <laughs>